CBDC, the Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs, is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to the Startup Women Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Startup Women Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all of the support that you need to make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Sarah Barnes-Humphrey on our show today. Sarah is a logistician turned supply chain mogul, passionate about collaboration, transparency, diversity, and doing better business. As the host of the popular podcast, Let's Talk Supply Chain, Sarah puts people right at the forefront of an industry that's traditionally been about stats and numbers. From thought-provoking questions and lively discussions to championing diversity and real people's industry success, Let's Talk Supply Chain and its sister shows, Women in Supply Chain and Blended, bring a breath of fresh air to logistics. Sarah is also the co-founder and CEO of innovative bid and ship freight platform, Ships Inc. Ensuring she practices what she preaches, Sarah is on a mission to redefine international shipping by bringing collaboration and diversity to supply chain. Sarah has been voted top 100 most influential women leaders in supply chain global and top 100 most influential women in Canadian supply chain and is a regular contributing thought leader at leading industry events. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much. That was quite the introduction and I am super happy to be here. Likewise, Sarah. So let's let's dive right in. What is the most important thing that you want our audience to take away from our conversation today, Sarah? Um, the, you know, there's, there's a couple of things. <laughs> I just hope that they leave, you know, feeling like this was a fun conversation, that they get value and I was able to contribute to maybe something that they're thinking about doing or maybe that they're doing right now and maybe they want to scale up or something like that. You know what I mean? And really just about collaboration and how important that is in all of our conversations right now. Mm, agreed. So take us on your entrepreneurial journey. We covered a lot of ground in your initial bio, um, but what has brought you into the world of supply chain? This is not something we hear every day. <laughs> yeah. So I always say that supply chain is in my blood um, because ever since I can remember at the dinner table, we were talking about logistics and supply chain. My wow. dad owned his own freight forwarding 
company. And so theoretically, I grew up in the industry. I started doing summers, you know, just filing and things like that. And right after high school, I went into the family business and really was able to do every single aspect of the business while I was doing education at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I got hands-on experience and education all at the same time. It took me a little bit longer than most, but that that was okay because I was really also trying to figure out where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spent eight years in operations and I spent eight years in sales. And then I was director of sales and marketing. And you know, there wasn't a lot of really cool stuff out there as far as marketing. So that's when I started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And for for our listeners who are less less uh, experienced with this topic, what is the supply chain and why is it important? Can you break this down a little bit for listeners who are not familiar with, with what this is? Absolutely. And I mean, supply chain is coming out of everybody's mouth right now because people can't get product, they can't get raw materials, some of the shelves are still empty. So supply chain is the sourcing of product the buying of product, product or raw materials, right? The manufacturing of product, the transportation of the product, and then the distribution of the product, and then delivery of the product to yourselves as a consumer. Mm. And is there any one uh, sort of most important process or part of the supply chain in your mind? Or does it really rely on all of these things moving and collaborating kind of across, across the continuum? Yeah, they are all very, very important to get products into people's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, each each step of the way, each part of the supply chain is super, super important. Right now, you're hearing a lot about the transportation because um, ocean freight has gone crazy in the last six months, and it's costing 15 times more than it used to. Wow, 15 times. Yeah. Interesting. So on, on your podcast network, you, you know, talk about these different collaborations in the industry um, and the importance of that and, and why it is going to be the future, um, but also talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. Um, can you break this down for us and speak to why these are such important topics um, so much that they have their own podcast in the supply chain sector? Walk us through the diversity and inclusion elements. Yeah. So when I started the podcast, I was still working for my dad's company. And then unfortunately, about a year later, he closed his doors and I was I was still doing the podcast on the side. And that happened in November 2017. By January 2018, I realized there wasn't a lot of content out there for me to be able to learn from other women in the industry. Mm -hmm. Right. To learn about their journey and what that looked like and what was the path that they took and how do they think about the industry and how do they think about their role and how do they think about other women in the industry. And so that's when I started the Woman in Supply Chain series. So we do one podcast a month and we do one blog a month featuring women in the industry and we focus specifically on their journey. Um, so that we can get an idea and people can feel inspired and just understand what that path looks like because every single one of them is different and inspirational. And then last year, with everything that was going on, I knew that I had to take it one step further because our industry is made up of, and the people are the most important part of this industry, and it's a global industry. And so it's very, very important that we have diversity and inclusion in supply chain because we are a diverse industry. Mm. 
And I knew I needed to take it further than gender. But I didn't quite know how I wanted to do it because I didn't want to do it like a typical podcast. Um, I really wanted to create safe spaces for perspectives and authentic conversations to be had so we could listen to learn, right? And I was like, how do I do this? And so I sat on it for about six months to the point where people were messaging me, and when is this new podcast coming up? <laughs> and I, it just sort of came to me, and I, I wanted to do something similar to Red Table Talks. And so that's what I did. And so each month, and it's only monthly because it's the, each episode is about an hour and a half. And I've got a co-host and then we've got four guests that come on each show um, to share authentically. And by the end, I, I almost cry on every single episode. <laughs> and by the end of each episode, a lot of people will just say, thank you, I feel heard today. And so, you know, just from that standpoint, it's really important to be having these conversations. Agreed. Of all of those conversations that you've had, are there any that really stick out in your mind as being, uh, you know, really moving or really important from your perspective? Any uh, any special guests you'd like to profile here? Yeah. So they're all really special in their own way, um, and there's there's really really good moments in each of the episodes. We just recently did one on transgender, mm. and that was eye opening for me. And uh, I'm really really proud of that episode because I think there's a lot to be learned from that one. A story that I have for you out of the first one because mm. you got to remember when I did this and started this, I didn't know how it was going to go. Mm. And I'm bringing all, like, they're all strangers together. So I also didn't know how that was going to go. And in the first episode, we were talking about what's in a word. Because I wanted to get around these words that we use. And some people like the words and some people don't like the words. And what words do we use? And um, I had somebody on there from the LGBTQIA plus community. And I said to him, I'm like, can I ask you how you identify? Because in each episode, at the beginning of every episode, I ask everybody to talk about how they identify, whatever that means to them. Because as an audio program, you want them to, you want the audience to get an idea of who you are. And so I asked him, I said, you know, can I ask you how you identify? Because you want me to know, but I might not know. And so how do we do this? And he said, well, it depends on who I'm with and where I'm at and, and all sorts of different things. And so a collectively as a group, we had a conversation around it. And by the end of it, he said, no, you know what? I want you to know, so I want you to ask me. As long as you're not aggressive and you're not, you know, over the top or anything like that, and you're just curious, I want you to ask me. Mm. And so that was, that was a really, really cool moment. Mm, interesting. And that is unexpected. You know, when you think potentially about a podcast on supply chain or sort of in this space, yeah. that you're really going to the human side of this, which I love um, to, to bring these conversations to the forefront. When when you're talking to your, your guests, um, are they experiencing, you know, shifts in obviously the pandemic and you mentioned supply chain breakdowns, things being really challenging. Um, are there any other illustrations that you can think of um, around, you know, manufacturing, the increased shifts, uh, transportation, challenges that your audience is, is um, facing during the pandemic and how they're navigating forward? 
so many. (laughs) That is a loaded question. (laughs) Um, I mean, everything from not being able to get raw materials to manufacturing plants being closed down because of COVID, um, cities being closed down because of COVID. And so you're not allowed to go to work. And obviously manufacturing, you have to be in the building to be able to manufacture a product. And so that was, that was, that kind of started it all. Um, and then e-commerce, you know, grew by 300% since last year because everybody was at home and they were making purchases and things like that. I can tell you last year I ordered a couch in July and it didn't come till December. And that was in 2020. And then you've got things that have compounded since then. So we've had a lot of containers overboard, way more than you know we've heard of in the past. We also had the Suez Canal blockage and that was blocking $400 million worth of trade a day. Um, and then you've got closures all over the place. I mean, Yantian port was closed. I think Vietnam port has just closed to imports right now. So there's all sorts of things that are happening every single day. The ocean freight rates, I mean, man, a a 40 foot container from Shanghai to LA, I think was like not even three grand pre-COVID and now it's like 20 grand. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. And like, so small businesses are really, really getting hit hard because they're the ones that really don't have the margins to be able to keep up with that. Um, air freight is almost just as expensive. We've had cranes over like crane, um, crane toppling over in the Kaohsiung port, which is in Taiwan. Um, so all sorts of things, it's kind of been like one thing after another and the poor shippers. So the poor, you know, the people that are in charge of moving the goods, um, have had such a challenging time in the last probably year and it doesn't look like it's going to let up for the next at least six months or so. Wow. And so the, the golden question, what is an entrepreneur to do? <laughs> How do we, you know, potentially mitigate these, these, what were previously risks now day-to-day challenges and potential, you know, damages? Um, what would be your advice to entrepreneurs and how to navigate all of this ongoing complexity uh, that is not going anywhere to your point? Yeah, I think it really depends on their business model. Um, there's there's some talk around the industry that people are diversifying their suppliers. So previous to this, people were manufacturing in China to deliver product globally to their customers. Now there's talk of manufacturing for local markets. So having manufacturing plants all over the place to actually Uh, manufacture for those markets. So looking at suppliers or ways to manufacture your product more locally and closer to your customer um, is, you know, one way of taking a look at it or maybe looking at a different route. The only thing is, is that ocean freight is, you know, high across the board. So (laughs) whether you're manufacturing in China or India, you're still going to be paying through the nose for ocean freight prices right now. So I think, you know, really taking a look at your suppliers and trying to trying to see what you can do locally rather than internationally or globally. Um, 
And I think really like planning is going to be huge, right? Where there's going to be a lot, a lot of traffic around um, peak, which is coming up because of Christmas. And so you kind of need to be planning way more in advance than you were previously. And then obviously making sure you've got the margins for the ocean freight. And, you know, you've also got to be able to account for the delays because um, containers that are being booked today aren't actually ship being shipped out for another four weeks. So let's let's dive into that inventory piece that, that you mentioned as well, that, you know, there's a not even so much a debate, but there's there's always ongoing conversations around the entrepreneurs that we serve around inventory. Um, you know, holding inventory can be very expensive. What is the best way to do this? Um, you know, risking a low inventory with quote kind of as needed tactics. What is your advice for founders on conceptualizing inventory, specifically as it pertains to COVID and you know this this movement to definitely plan ahead, but not potentially overextend the business um, or bring in too much inventory in house? What advice do you have for founders on that? Yeah, so I'm not an inventory specialist, but what I do feel because I interview I interview supply chain tools and and technology companies all the time. I think the tools are out there. I think data is going to be your biggest strength. So making sure that your data house is in order and you've got the data that you need to be able to plan properly. And then taking a look at a technology tool to be able to do that so that you can more accurately predict based on your consumer's buying habits, right? And this is where collaboration really comes into play because a lot of times I say supply chain really should be talking to sales, marketing, customer experience, um, because all of the data and information that those departments are getting are crucial to supply chain and being able to plan what the inventory they need and when. Um, I think also taking a look at your options as far as manufacturing. Um, if your lead time is really long right now because you're manufacturing overseas and you have to have a longer lead time, then you may have to hold inventory. If you can find a supplier or a manufacturer that's closer and the turnaround time is maybe cut in half, then that's you know, that's going to make a difference on how much inventory you're holding as well. Um, Pre-COVID, a lot of companies were talking about just-in-time and they were doing just-in-time inventory. Now, most of them are talking about just-in-case. So they are keeping um, particular items in inventory um, for that just-in-case model. Mm, that's that's a really helpful distinction, I think, for for our listeners. Yeah, the just in time versus just in case, um, and and trying to contingency plan um, appropriately. That's that's great advice. What other resources would you recommend? You know, for an entrepreneur that is just beginning to conceptualize their business, they're in that ideation stage, um, and they are feeling very overwhelmed with looking at all of these different parts of their supply chain. Where should they be seeking out more information? Where do they find information about how to um, start building their business with with a proper supply chain? Yeah, I think it starts with your ethos. I think it also starts with your target market. Where is your target market going to be? Who do they look like? What do they look like? Where do they shop? How often do they shop? Are your particular product or service, when would they be looking for that? How are they looking for that? So I think, you know, up front, even though we're talking about supply chain, it really, really starts with a lot of that market research and the marketing 
components um, that can really drive a lot of the decisions that you're going to make around supply chain. I think the other the other really important thing is is your customer experience. So what do what do you want your customer experience to be like? You know, is it the packaging? You know, is it that you want a quick turnaround time so that they can have the product in their hand within a couple of days? Will you be selling through Amazon? Will you be selling through Amazon Prime because they are uh, or the Amazon Fulfillment Center so that people can buy your product on Prime? Um, And then you don't necessarily need a fulfillment center. Or are your customers going to be all over the place and maybe you need mini warehouses all over the place to carry a little bit of inventory to be able to make sure that they get that product in their hand ASAP. I think the other thing to think about also is packaging of the product. So um, a lot of consumers, when they're buying products right now, they're looking at the sustainability components, the reusability components, and what that company is doing from a sustainability standpoint rather than single-use plastics, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's a huge part of your supply chain because the packaging that you decide to use um, could actually cost you more in transportation if it's heavy. Um, And there's a lot of different alternatives that are coming out What's horrible to see is when you are delivered a product, let's say like a little battery and it comes in this like huge, huge box and all of that wasted space is what you're paying in transportation. So you want to make sure that the packaging that you're using is not only sustainable, but it's also good for, um, you know, for your transportation. You can empower your team members in the warehouse to choose the right packaging for the right product. Mm. Those are really helpful tips in, in conceptualizing, and, and as a consumer as well, drives me bananas if yeah. I have all of this extra packaging that you know is, is much more wasteful. So I think, yeah, from many stakeholder perspectives, that's beneficial. Um, what about on um, supply chain diversity and looking at um, you know women-led businesses to be buying from or leveraging or indigenous-owned businesses? How do you go about diversifying your supply chain, not just geographically or having different suppliers engage, but also prioritizing? diversity and inclusion through your diverse supply chain? What resources are out there um, to help entrepreneurs conceptualize where they can go uh, to diversify their their supply chain from that perspective? Yeah, there's a a lot of really great tools out there um, in the procurement space that actually have, you know, a ton of different suppliers in their database and they have diversity components to that database. One of them is actually Canadian owned by a woman Uh, called Tealbook. And you can actually go in there and you can source suppliers by the diversity criteria. And so you're able to sort of open up that network and see who's out there. One of the most important things, though, when you're looking to diversify the suppliers that you're working with is to be very cognizant that a lot of them are small businesses. So don't be doing payment terms of 60 to 90 days. They're not going to survive. You need to be able to be flexible in some of your criteria when you're working with diverse suppliers and small businesses. So one of them is payment terms. The other is don't throw a contract at them that's going to take them three weeks to go through or cost them $5,000 with a lawyer just to go through to make, to see if they want to do business with you. That's, you know, when you're when you're looking to diversify your supplier base, those are two main reasons why it never works. 
Mm, interesting. And in those those conversations um, that you're having with with entrepreneurs, do you see this movement and this interest in diversifying supply chains and you know supporting other women led businesses or, or leveraging some of these tools? Are you seeing that through the conversations that you're having, or do we still have a long way to go in bringing more diversity into the procurement space? Um, I think we still have a little bit of a ways to go, um, especially when it comes to enterprise business. A lot of them do have great intentions and they have the, the programs and they want to be able to work with smaller businesses. However, because of just those two components that I mentioned before, sometimes it can be really, really difficult um, because they have processes in place that they have to follow and then the small business isn't really able to keep up with that. And so I think, you know, there are some mindset changes that might need to take place for us to um, better diversify and work with diverse suppliers. Agreed. Agreed. Any final takeaways, Sarah? We've covered so much practical ground and oceans and air and all these different uh, spaces. Um, any final takeaways um, that you want to share with our audience that they can implement into their businesses right away? Yeah, I just do it. Just do it. Don't be afraid to fail. I have failed so many times. <laughs> um, and so just do it and try different things. You know, some things you're going to really love. Some things you're going to find out that you really don't love after a couple of months. And that is totally okay. I mean, being an entrepreneur, it is a roller coaster of a ride. And there's some, some things you have to let go of and some things that you want to move forward with. But when you really find what works, that momentum just keeps going and just go with it, but try new things, keep an open mind, support each other, try to collaborate where you can. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a journey. It's not a destination. That's for sure. Mm, sing it. And so Sarah, if anyone is interested in learning more about supply chains and, and listening in to some of these conversations um, that you're having with leaders, where can they find you? Walk us through your podcast again and where uh, our listeners can find more information. Yeah, so you can find all the podcasts. So Women in Supply Chain Blended, Let's Talk Supply Chain over at letstalksupplychain.com. Um, you can also find Let's Talk Supply Chain on you know, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, you can also find the blended podcast, which is separate. Um, that one is a picture with some dots on it because there's a lot of blended podcasts. I didn't realize when I called it blended that there was a lot of them. <laughs> um, the other way to interact with us is on LinkedIn. I am extremely active on LinkedIn. So make sure to connect with me and engage with what we're putting out there. Go and follow Let's Talk Supply Chain on LinkedIn as well. We have so much great content and we're just about to release um, a whole slew of new live shows based around different aspects of supply chain as well. Amazing. Well, we will wait patiently for that launch uh, and can't wait to learn more about all of the, the incredible conversations that you're having, Sarah, uh, and uh, bringing some of these perspectives to the forefront. So we, we will be watching and listening eagerly. Thank you again for joining us. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. 
Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, Resources for Women Entrepreneurs, with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, hosted by Rick Spence, and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.